97% of salespeople are missing this one thing that if they only knew it would allow them to close 75% more sales. It has nothing to do with charisma, the gift of gab, or whatever else you've been told. Because if you're trying to convince your customer, that means they don't want to buy, which means you've already lost the sale. What sales professionals do is sell customers exactly what they want to buy. They work with the customer to uncover their current challenges, the consequences of those challenges, and how that's impacting them. They then help the prospect describe the ideal solution to their problems, what that looks like, and how that perfect outcome will impact them. And once they can picture that perfect outcome, price is irrelevant. That's right. Sales professionals sell customers exactly what they want to buy because it's easier dealing with a happy customer than dealing with a customer who felt sold. So here's the deal. I explain everything in my live two-day sales workshop, June 14th and 15th in my office. Go to closemoresales.com workshop and you'll be able to close more sales as soon as you get back. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Certainty Talks. On this show, we talk about certainty, a topic that feels more important today than ever before. But all in all, always an important topic. I got my good friend and business partner in the Whale Club here, Paul Sparks. Not only a successful real estate investor, but also a certified certainty advisor. Now, we do this show because a wise man once asked a question. If you look at the last three years of your business by months, and turn all the negative months to zeros, what would happen to your bottom line? And that wise man is Dan Nicholson, a mentor for Paul and myself. And we're here to help you achieve financial certainty by rigging the game in your favor. And I'm also on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take consistent action, you will become one. And if you get value out of the show, please share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. Now, during the show, you guys are going to hear us speaking a totally different language. Might cause some confusion. That's okay. Just keep the loop open. Don't try to close the loop too quickly. You might receive some things that, uh, as you keep that loop open. And, uh, you know, we highly encourage you guys, participate, put your takeaways inside the live chat. And after the show, think about, ruminate, come up with a six-word update Post it in the comments below. That way we can all help each other. And um, we are going to be talking about today, form follows function. But before we do that, Paul, what is your six-word update? Today, the six-word update is putting the cart before the horse. And we're going we're gonna to lead <laughs> into how that applies to how form should always follow function. Uh, I don't think you can put it any more succinctly than that. Uh, for myself, I put uh, disregard their words. Watch their action. And um, I think there are a lot of people out there talking about how to run a business, this and that. And um, I think that there are a lot of people going through some trials and tribulations. And just beware, right? If they're telling you to do something, is it because it makes sense? Or is it because maybe they're selling you something? You know, um, I heard something really wise, right? Uh, someone I look up to, and he had all these people like, Hey, let me manage your money. Let me manage your finances. And how could he tell who's legit and who's not? He couldn't, right? Cause for us, we can't tell who, which guru is real, which guru is fake. We can't tell on the inside. How can anyone, anyone on the outside tell? And so what he asked them was tell you what, why don't you fax me your tax returns from last year and then send me a snapshot of your portfolio. And if I like it, I'll hire you. Ooh. And only one person had the balls to do it. And he actually hired that person because that's exactly the portfolio he wanted. Wow, that is awesome. I love that. Yeah. So, all right. So, 
form follows function. So, you know, there's a couple of things that have happened, right? Like we just, we're the second month into the year. And so part of starting the year or right before the start of the year, we do some annual planning. And in that annual planning, we have to calculate or predict a few things. There's a five-year plan, three-year plan, one-year plan, 90-day plan, and then the four-month plan, right? That's all part of our annual planning. But everything is based off of our five-year plan. How do we base a business off of a five-year plan? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think there's a there's a couple things. First of all, this this quote, form follows function. This is from a famous architect where a lot of us are probably familiar with, Frank Lloyd Wright. He actually, this was his... Uh, mantra when he was designing homes is that form always follows function and you know put another way is that our plans are really just our best estimation of reality and the further out we define what it needs to look like the form so when we say form what we mean by that is well here's what it needs to look like um you know, I'm, I'm still newer in, into this business, only been in it about two and a half, you know, coming up on three years. And I remember when I first got into this business, I had all these, you know, pieces of paper and charts of like the org structure and we're going to have all of these salespeople and here's the lead manager and the dispo manager and all these different things. And I was looking at, well, <laughs> what does my logo need to look like and my brand design and all this sort of stuff like before I'd even made a phone call to a seller or gotten in front of somebody. And now I still do the same thing when I'm annually planning. I look out and I say, well, what is the market going to look like in a year from now, two years from now? I'm not saying that's not worthwhile to consider, but by designing a business around something so far in advance, what you're doing oftentimes is you're putting the, the, the form before the function, right? It, the way I think of this is instead of planning on a yearly or a three-year or a five-year basis, we just need the next three months to go right, right? And so I don't really like to look beyond three months because the market changes, things change, people come and go, your preferences change. And so I, I've tried to not define the form of what it needs to look like too far in advance. Yeah, I mean... You don't know, it's hard to predict what the market's going to look like a year from now, right? And there was that debate yesterday during part of the disruption. They were <laughs> really blasting each other. It's like, why do you look at 12 months ahead? Like, why do you not look at 12 months ahead, right? Um, but the reason why I say like five years, it might even be too far out. Like, if you were to say 2023, this is going to be my year, I'm going to start my copywriting business. This is the year I'm going to start blogging, I'm gonna start taking blogging seriously. I'm going to spend hours researching and blogging and then early january you're on twitter and twitter is going crazy about chat gpt all your planning went for now now again we're not opposed to planning but planning has to be like conceptual but like you can't like you can't have a plan beginning 2023 like this is all the things i'm going to do for blogging and copywriting See ChatGPT pop off in the beginning of January and continue executing the rest of your plan for 2023. That would be the violation 
of form follows function. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I don't want to come across like saying we're not saying don't consider trends, don't consider different things out in the future. It's okay. We talk a lot about the solvable problem. We are defining with the solvable problem what we want. We're not defining needs to look. That's the difference mm -hmm. is by defining how it needs to look too far in advance. What you're doing is you're tying your hands to other more efficient pass forward, better options as part of the certainty operating system. What we like to say is we want to get certainty with the least amount of risk, least amount of effort, most amount of options. What that means is you've got to stay open and receptive. Dr. Jeff would say you've got to remain in, in receivership. Because we don't know what reality holds. Our plans are just the best estimation of that. So it's okay to define what we want. What I'm trying to do better is define less of exactly how it needs to look. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, again, we're not beating up annual plans, right? You know what you want in five years. You know what you want in three years. You know what you want in one year. But once we get closer, we have to figure out the how, not exactly the what. So I was coaching somebody. And she was basically, basically saying, like, what do I need a mentor for? It's like, what do you mean? It's like, you know, this is back in the realtor days. She's like, well, all I need is, you know, just a couple of buyer's agent, a listing agent, a transaction coordinator, uh, some marketing. And uh, with that, you know, I, I can build a realtor business. I was like, really? Just like that? You don't have any of those right now. But you know exactly what the business looks like. And with that, you can run a successful realtor business. It's like, yes. Mm -hmm. It's like, God bless you. <laughs> She was the ultimate of defining form without any <laughs> of the function in place. Yeah, it's a, that's a really good one. Um, why do you think we do that so much? Uh, well, there's a lot of – we feel pretty good, I think, when we, when we have this false confidence. I think there's like, man, like I know exactly what I have to do, even if you don't. <laughs> There's this, there's this, it's not a crutch, it's, uh, but it's, I don't know. I guess it's this false, this fake, fake it till you make it kind of deal. I'm not really sure. I, I think that that's probably true. I think what I notice about myself is you get this massive dopamine hit, you know? Oh, I've got this awesome plan. Almost as if you've already accomplished it, <laughs> right? <laughs> you get this false sense of, I mean, it's not false. It's it's literally the dopamine is firing in your brain, you know. Well, you know, actually, uh, so Gary Harper, right, is, is a coach of mine, and um, we were talking about like you know when the team accomplishes the goal, right? Like Paul, you and I, we're gonna build our wholesaling company in Phoenix, and we are gonna do ten deals a month, right, in Q one. Okay. Q one finishes. We close exactly thirty deals, right? Team's on fire. Yeah, we're high-fiving. Everyone's excited. And they look at Steve. Steve, why, why aren't you excited? He's like, I already did it, right? So what Gary was saying is the visionary, the plans already occurred. <laughs> we already yeah. achieved victory. We're just sharing what it's going to look like, right? So yep. I think maybe there's an element of that, too. Like, we're already sharing what it's going to look like, even though we don't know how we're going to do it. Right, and that's dangerous, you know? We we, we celebrate our wins before we've even uh, closed it. Um, I'll give you a, I'll give you a case in point. That's a little bit vulnerable here. Uh, from my perspective, we are under contract on a 18 unit townhome. Okay. 
We haven't closed on this 18 unit townhome, but I've been talking about it, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. As if going under contract is the same as closing, right? There's still certain things that have to happen. We're still sorting through it. And it's almost like my brain has tricked me into thinking already that I've already got the deal. Yeah. But you don't have the deal. You're just telling yourself that because you are addicted to dopamine mm -hmm. and you want to feel good, right? So our plans uh, and our, our visions for the future, especially as visionaries, when we project them out, we get that massive dopamine hit as if it's already occurred. Yeah. Um, so there's another um, colleague of mine in the past, and I, we, we – you know, unfortunately, at his expense, we were, we were kind of chuckling. So here's here was his scenario. You know, some people like to market, some people like to prospect. Uh, his thing was perfecting his website, right? It seemed like every day he was working on his website. So his website was killer. His logo was killer. LLC was great. I'm sure his tax structure was great if he ever made revenue, right? All these things are fantastic. Uh, as a curiosity thing, last year I pulled up his website because we called him by his website URL. That's how ridiculous it was. Uh, it's parked for free on GoDaddy. So, you know, again, a direct violation of form follows function. Mm. Yeah, because then all of a sudden, well, so trying to articulate a lot of things that I'm thinking right now. We get so attached to our visions. It's this concept we'll probably touch on of naming the puppy. Mm -hmm. We say this all the time. The folks in the whale club know what we mean. We'll explain that to everybody who hasn't heard that phrase. But we get so attached to our ideas and our, you know, this is what the website needs to look like. This is what our, the business is going to look like. This is how exactly we're going to do it. And when we start saying that, it's really hard to get off of that. And, you know, I use this. I don't know how well this actually works, but it's the idea that, uh, you know, it's like calling your baby ugly. You, not everybody can have a good looking baby. OK, let's just call it like it is. <laughs> Some babies are really nice looking. Not everyone is. But the idea is it's really, really hard when you have been attached to your child to call your own baby ugly. It's really hard to do that. So the whole idea here is don't create babies within your business that later you might realize, well, again, not everybody can have a, a cute, good looking baby. Yeah. So like if you get so attached to it, it's really hard to be like, you know what? This wasn't a good idea. <laughs> if we define, <laughs> if we define so far in advance what it needs to be, you're going to get stuck with that baby. And it may not turn out to be as cute as you thought, and, and you don't want to have to call your baby ugly, do you? So, again, it's like just saying don't get so attached to everything that you say. When you define how it needs to look, you're going to make it really, really hard for yourself if you find a more efficient path forward that you're even going to be able to notice it because you're so attached to your own decisions and yeah. visions. So what exactly is – Form follows function. I know you started it with the Frank Lloyd Wright uh, quote, and then I interrupted you. So what exactly is this concept? Well, think of it from Frank Lloyd Wright. I mean, he was a famous architect. And when you look at the modern architecture that he designed, it is extremely functional. 
right? Everything that's there is designed to serve a, a certain function. And then form comes in after that, right? So, you know, I, my six-word update was putting the cart before the horse. That's another way in my mind of saying the same thing. You're putting the cart before the horse. The horse has got to go first. We've got to pay attention to what is the function, what needs to happen, right? And, and in order to get us closer to the things that we want in life, how do we start making decisions there by, and not define exactly how it needs to look? Because if, if Frank Lloyd's right saying, well, the stairs have to be right here at the, you know, near the entrance because that's where everything else has been. And then the kitchen needs to be, you know, here because that's where everything has traditionally been done. But that's not how he designed a house. Mm -hmm. He designed it based on the function of the people who are using it. And then he brought form in after that. So how that shows up in our business is you've got to define your solvable problem first. Make sure you're clear on what you're trying to solve. And then as Dr. Jeff Spencer would say, we just need the next one to two things that, to go right. Mm -hmm. We don't need to define every single thing that needs to go right, steps one through 10. Because oftentimes when you do that, you get very attached to what your 10-step plan was. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you go out and you engage in business and you get to step two or step three and you're like, oh, that wasn't, I need to shift. I need to do something different. But if you've attached your expectations to what it has to look like, again, it's like, it's the whole baby thing, right? <laughs> you're just, it's going to be really hard for you to change course off of that because you're just so attached to this, uh, to your little baby. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as we've delved deeper and deeper into the certain certainty operating system, you know, people are asking me questions. Hey, what should I do about this? What should I do about that? And I used to just prescribe. Hey, no problem. Just do this. These days, I was like, well, I have no idea. <laughs> Before we even go down that road, how about you tell me what are you trying to accomplish? Mm -hmm. And then after that, that, I'll ask them, what are you good at? What do you like to do? And then after I have that conversation, okay, I have a few suggestions, but don't like... Don't like, you know, was it like, don't write it in stone. <laughs> These are just a few suggestions that might lead you in the right direction. Yeah. And Dan would call that micro stepping. Yeah. You know, we've talked about micro stepping so many times on this, sh on this show, the idea of, well, when you think about a micro step, what does that mean? It's a, it's a really small step forward. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, op the opposite of that would be taking these really big steps forward before we really have any understanding of, do I even like this? Am I even good at this? Is this just the plan that I had? Because most plans, I, I forget there's some quote about like how most plans, 90% of plans or something in war mm -hmm. fail. But oh, yeah. of course, you've still got to have a plan. We're not saying don't have a plan. What we're saying is keep your optionality open. Because as you're engaging, you're going to get more feedback into the system. So the smaller steps that you can take, the less risk you add because you're going to get more feedback. And if you can stay open to what it, what it looks like and not define too far in advance what it has to be, you're going to be able to adjust much quicker and make changes in a way that um, you're not like going backwards as much. Right. It's it's the whole idea of 
I would rather be heading in the right direction than going really fast. Yeah. So how can someone ensure that they're following? How, how can we ensure that someone is following this principle? Hmm. Well, so form follows function. The idea here is we've got to know what the function is. And this ties right back into the solvable problem. What are you using your business, your investments for? What are you trying to accomplish? If we don't know what the functionality of these things need to be, uh, you're probably going to be missing the point. So I think the first step is clarity. And we say this is tied back to the solvable problem. If you don't know where you're going, then you don't have a whole lot. You know, you might just be aimlessly wandering around building things. Um, the analogy we've given in the past is this, this idea of the Google Maps example. That, you know, if you're not, if you're just jumping in the car and you type in into Google Maps, I just want to go north as far as possible. Well, again, Google can't, can't, optimize for that north means a million different things it could be northeast it could be northwest it could be 60 miles it could be 600 miles yeah. these are all different things different problems to solve so it starts by function in this case function equals solvable problem mm -hmm. you've got to know what you're trying to solve for you know and in frank lloyd wright's situation that was his solvable problem what do i need this house to function as what do, what needs to happen or, or uh, what are we trying to accomplish here as opposed to defining like exactly what does it need to look like? Right. So we come up with our solvable problem, right? We figure out what's important to us, what's, what's critical to us, the, the, the numbers financially to accomplish those things. So we have our solvable problem. Um, then what? And I'm asking for a person that, you know, that's in real estate, right? Because our, our, our core audience is in real estate, right? So let's just say they're wholesaling right now. What are some yeah. things that they need to do to make sure that they're, uh, that they're, they're, they're focusing on uh, function first? Well, fortunately, we are going through this process from start to finish inside of the whale club. Yep. And we're making this very public. So if you check out Steve and mine, uh, our Facebook pages, you're going to see each week we're posting what we, uh, what's called the quote of the week, or sorry, question of the week. And so the very first question, when you're trying to apply certainty to anything and figure out what your function is, is get clear on what problem are you trying to solve? Mm-hmm. So that's the first question. The second question is, and it's sort of a, a series of questions, is what rules do I need to define up front? Again, that all plays into what does this need to, how does this, uh, what's the function of our businesses in reference to what we're actually trying to solve? So we broke this down really into two main questions is what rules do you need to define up front for yourself? And what rules do you need to define up front for your business? Those are kind of different things. Yeah. For yourself, in my mind, that's things like, do you work on the weekends? Are you home by 5 p.m.? Again, there's no judgment. Like, I work way past 5 p.m. So, you know, I'm in a different phase of my life. I'm not saying that you have to have these things. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, tell me a little bit about 
the process that you heard as we were going through this on some of the rules that you've defined for yourself and defined for your business? I mean, I would say for sure, for the longest time, was was, was not working on weekends, right? That was for the longest time. But a couple of things have occurred. One, business slowed down. And B, uh, you know, you talk about the five love languages, you know, which is coming to understand how you express love to your spouse and vice versa, how you receive love. And I've come to learn that time together is actually not one of those love languages. So knowing that, it's like, oh, well, then I get to work on Sundays again, <laughs> right? She doesn't need more time. She just needs the time we spend together to be very intentional, right? Mm -hmm. Completely different. And so with that, with that being the case, like, I get to work on Sundays again. But for the longest time, it was I would not work on weekends, Saturday or Sunday. And then I was sharing with the business one, you know, something I'm starting to do, not well, not at a high level, right? This micro steps here, um, is that in communicating with some uh, coworkers, right? It's like, it's not here's what I want, it's here's what I want, here's why it's important, here's when, here's when I need it done by, and here's what success looks like, right? You can, even, uh, you can even add one more to it. And this is a task that, you know, when it's done, you don't have to let me know, or there's a task when it's done, I need to know, right? There's like, but those are rules in, in business. So there's a few different things here, but yeah, I think as far as rules, Personal business, those are some that I, I had uh, come up with so far. Mm -hmm. It's good. And, and this is part of defining the function. Mm -hmm. um, here's, the, here's the things I'm willing to do. Here's the things I'm not willing to do. Here's what I'm, I'm willing to do if this particular thing changes, right? Sometimes it, it requires more energy and effort and more time into our businesses. But have you gotten clear on what you're willing to tolerate? Mm -hmm. You know, for example... Think of a, a lot of people that own rental properties and there's a lot of people out there who will talk about passive. I'm using air quotes here. If you're not watching <laughs> passive income as if owning rental properties somehow is some passive way to generate, to generate investments. Well, you got to sell books and courses. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's not a zero or a one. Mm -hmm. It's not passive or active. It's like, it's kind of passive relative to other things. Somewhere on the spectrum. Passive. But if you're not willing to define, are you willing to take a phone call at 11 o'clock at night when that toilet breaks? Are you willing to deal with, you know, having to evict tenants? Like there's just certain things that you've, that you've got to consider. And if you don't define those rules up front, you know, you might find yourself being a landlord and you never wanted to deal with that. Mm -hmm. So part of that, for example, might say if you're not willing to do those things, you might hire a property manager. And if you can't afford to hire a property manager, then you don't buy the deal. Right. But that's an example of defining the function up front. So well, getting clear on like, yeah, yeah, defining the rules, defining the rules and the parameters of, you know, this is what it needs. This is what we want. And this all ties back into the case framework. This is, this is case zoomed out. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look from a big, uh, that's what Frank Lloyd Wright was saying was you should just case this, mm -hmm. you know, make a case as we've been saying. Yeah. Um, so defining the rules up front, defining your solvable problem. We're right now in the heat of defining our own biases because a lot of us forget to account for that in the equation. You know, we think that we're these, uh, super rational people and that we make good decisions all the time. Uh, but we know that's not the case in the whale club. We're studying right now, these biases that we all 
that, you know, these different cognitive biases and some of us struggle with some more than others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our, our, our default in certain scenarios that if we're not aware of them, and even if we are aware of them, right, the GI Joe bias, but even if, uh, even if we are aware of them, we still kind of fall into these tendencies that we, we, we get ourselves into a lot of trouble for. You know, before we continue, I just want to touch on, you know, one thing, you know, Wrigley. Are we familiar with Wrigley? No. Right. Wrigley Field? Oh, Wrigley go. Field. Yeah, of course. Right? So if they were to define what their business was and never made any adjustments, they'd be an out-of-business soap company. Right? Like they set out, we are going to be a soap company. And mm. somewhere along the way, it was, well, how can we sell more soap? <laughs> Maybe if we include some bubble gum with it. <laughs> and then we find out people are buying soap just for the bubble gum. Hey, what if we just became a bubble gum company? And now you can own a baseball team. Right? With just That's so good. A couple of tweaks. Instead of being so committed to this is what we're doing. Uh, something we were talking about before the show was uh, repetition, intensity, and purpose. What is that about? Well, <clears throat> this whole idea of what's my purpose, you know, I hear this all the time. People get so hung up. I don't know what my purpose is. And they're sitting there trying to define what their purpose is. Before they've actually gone out and done the reps. And so most people think that it's define your purpose, then go out and do those things, and then do it with intensity. Mm -hmm. But that's not how it works. We learned this from uh, Randy Massengale, who was the senior advisor to Bill Gates. Yeah. Right? You don't define the purpose of your business. You just illustrated a freaking awesome case in point for that. Because if they sat out and they were like, we are a soap company, that is what our purpose is. Mm -hmm. Well, then they probably wouldn't be on uh, the Cubs stadium nope. in Chicago. It's about, and I know that that's hard because again, we, we, we're, it's so much easier to define the form than, define the, than to define the function. Mm -hmm. But that's what we're saying here is don't go out and say that you're going to be this soap company. Don't try to define your purpose before you've done the reps because, again, it's all, it all comes back to this naming the puppy concept. If you define too far, we got we to gotta explain what naming the puppy yeah. is because we haven't talked about it for a few episodes, and I'm mm -hmm. sure there's new, new people like, what are you saying? Um, but, yeah, that's the whole idea here is do the reps first. You know, uh, the best example I could think of was when I was out of shape last year, I was I was, you know, working too much at the expense of my own health. And so I sat there and I was like, well, you know, the first thing I could have said was, well, I want to be someone who's really in shape. And what I didn't do was try to create this massive workout plan and do all this. Here's my diet. And here's exactly what I'm going to define. Cause I'm going to, you know, that would be trying to define the form mm -hmm. too early. What did I do? I just said, you know what? I can get in the gym. I just want to go to the gym and shoot basketball. And it started by like, just go to the gym and shoot basketball. Yeah. And, you know, I played basketball my whole life. So I was like, well, I, I can do that. That's pretty easy. I got into the gym day after day after day. And it turned into eventually like, 
I'm going to make 50 shots. Right. And I started counting. And then it turned into how fast can I make 50 shots? Uh-huh. Right. And, and so we went from repetition to intensity and the intensity started growing. But because I was so out of shape, I didn't really feel comfortable getting into these, you know, pickup games with these 22 to 25 year old kids who were going to smoke me. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, I upped it. I was like, well, let's see how fast I can make 50 shots. That turned into, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to get into a game. Mm-hmm. Now I go play basketball every single day. Defining that has helped me define what I call my solvable problem, yeah. which is that I want to be able to play business the same way I play pickup basketball. But I didn't reach that purpose uh, first. I did the reps first. Then I built the intensity into that. And then I was able to sort of figure out, all oh, right. This is my purpose. So you didn't just go um, out and buy a Bowflex. Right. I mean, that, again, it's micro steps. But it's you like, think about, well, was it like <laughs> New Year, New Me? Like, what, what happens, right? Gym membership or some product? And there's nothing wrong with gym memberships. But what do we know? Like, how does the gym, gym industry make money? It's from everyone signing up in January and then not canceling their gym memberships, even though they never go. Because to cancel the gym membership is to subconsciously give up on yourself. And you have this hope, like, no, one day I'm going to go to the gym, right? Mm-hmm. So you're committing hundreds of dollars, if not more, to this gym that you're never even going to go to. So, um, yeah. you know, I want to ask you this. Um, as we're going through all this, you're talking about the what and the how. You know, there's a leadership principle, which is I'm going to tell Paul, here's what I want. But I'm not going to tell Paul here's exactly how I want it. Because mm-hmm. if I do tell you exactly how, how I want it, like exactly how to do it, I'm sorry, exactly how to do it, we're going to have some challenges here. Can you speak on that a little bit? That's a great case in point. This shows up everywhere. The folks who do this well, I mean, it, it showed up right there in management. I've had such a tendency in the past to be like, here's what you need to do. And here's how you should do it. Mm-hmm. And what does that cause? That's why I'm, I, I'm growing so much as a manager because the good managers, they tell them, here's the goal and the objective. I hired you for a reason. I want you to tell me how it needs to look. Right. And, and that's, I, I just, that's such a great case in point. Uh, this shows up in, in almost every aspect of business where usually when we've got it wrong, it's a function of like, we didn't, we didn't case. We didn't define up front what we want. Mm-hmm. We just want to jump right to strategize and execute. Yeah. And strategize and execute here is the form. We want to just define exactly like how it needs to look before we've defined what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, think about Apple or think about any of these like big tech companies along this line of the Wrigley thing, right? I mean, that's the process of the lean startup of iterating is develop a prototype you know when we started whale club i basically just called 10 people and was like and i and i and before i did that because i was going through this process with with uh the cca and with dan and he was teaching me all these things at that time and i said if i don't get 10 people i'm not doing it i didn't create a website i didn't create a plan i didn't even know what i was going to teach It was just like, hey, I know how to do this thing. You want to join? 
And if I don't get 10 people to sign up, I'm not doing anything else. Right. Then I got 10 people. Then I started making the product. But then it's evolved significantly since then. And it's all because the whale club is built off of certainty principles. Right. Yeah. And that's how we designed that business. And, you know, that's how I hope to be able to design every business going forward is let's define like the smallest step we need to take in order to justify the next step. So I'm thinking about, you know, again, our, our real estate people that are listening, you know, I'm trying to think of like, what is a real application that might, they might be experiencing right now in this market? Struggling right now to come up with an example of how they can, how they can, um, how they can take this principle and apply it today. So I guess really it's whatever problem they're trying to solve. Step one, define what the problem is that they're trying to solve, right? Instead of saying, here are all the things I'm going to go do right now. What is the problem I'm trying to solve? I guess this is the case here, right? What is the problem I'm trying to solve? What information do I need to solve that problem? Analyze that data, that information, and then strategize around it versus, I guess, I, I guess it's kind of like a variation of case, right? Like instead of going out there and I'm just going to go out there and do something about it just to make progress because you can be making progress in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. Is that more or less like is case the, 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 the inverse of a form follows function case is form follows function. Okay. Right, so form should come after function mm -hmm. in the same way that strategize and execute should come after collecting and analyze. Right, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to. This is why what we're doing in the whale club I think is so powerful because this process works from a small level on a very micro, let's say, challenge. Let's say you're dealing with hiring a new person or maybe considering letting someone go or you're thinking about going into a new market, or you're thinking about adding another uh, uh, marketing channel, or I mean, just all the things. It's hard to, to lump everyone's business mm -hmm. into one problem. Yeah. You know, I know that you have a lot of, uh, you help a lot of wholesalers specifically grow their business. But we know that investing has a lot of options, and there's just a lot of ways to make money in real yeah. estate. So I prefer to speak more generally but I get that, um, you know, if we wanted to zoom in on a specific problem, like let's say hiring an acquisitions person. Sure. The first question I would ask is like, well, what's the problem you're trying to solve with that? Mm -hmm. You know? Oh, well, I, I want to make more money. Okay, why? Right? Now you start understanding that the root of all this is if you don't have clarity around why you're doing these things, it's probably because you're just chasing more. Mm-hmm. Actually, so that, I, I would say this is great. Um, I had a conversation uh, on Wednesday with somebody, and basically they were in, they were in a consultation, and more or less what was the scenario was there was a gentleman who was increasing was was business challenge in the market, and they cut back expenses, and they're like, "Well, how can I m do more with my existing marketing budget?" Right, like that was the question. How can I do more with my existing marketing budget? Which is a valid question, is a fair question. Uh, but his counter question in the consultation was, how about instead of asking, how can I be more strategic with my existing marketing budget? Maybe ask, what are some things that you used to do for free that you stopped doing? Like, oh, right? Like, 
we used to talk to realtors. We used to go to RIAs, right? We used to talk to our sphere. We used to just post on social media. Mm-hmm. We stopped doing all those things because our company's too big. It no longer makes sense to do these things. But is that really true? Maybe yes. you should go back and talk to your team, maybe go into the RIAs. Maybe have your team post more on social media, reach out to the sphere of influence. Maybe have a couple people on your team just reach out to realtors, and that's it. right? So instead of saying, how can I be more strategic with the marketing budget, and I guess there's a variation of it, but like, hey, what are the things you used to do for free that you don't do anymore? Yeah. So the let's I love that because I'm 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 what I'm hearing from that is that the root solvable problem of that is like how do I have an I want a more efficient business. I want, I want, I want more a, profit, I think is that how can I be more profitable in this in this more challenging environment than it was last year? I think it was exactly. the beginning of it. Which is a completely different question then how do I make more money with the marketing that I'm already doing? Mm -hmm. It's like saying, well, what if the answer is do less marketing? Mm -hmm. Well, less paid marketing, I should say. Right. Um, That was exactly what I came, the conclusion that I came to in my business. Yeah. Which I kept asking myself, how do I generate more leads? And I named the puppy on the form that that needed to take. I was like, well, it means that I need to get better direct mail because I've already been doing a direct mail. It means I need to get better at cold calling and texting because I'd already been doing those things. But what I realized is that the way to make a more, to build a more profitable business for me based on my preferences and the rules that I defined, one of those rules was like, I don't want to have a large overhead. Okay, well, that's the function. But because I had, because I had already committed in my mind to direct mail and to cold calling and all these different things, I was so attached to that that I couldn't see for the longest time that maybe the answer is like, stop spending so much and shift towards a personal branding strategy where like you don't spend that much. So you don't have to do a bunch of deals, Mm -hmm. but this was the perfect case in point where I had gotten so attached because I had said good in my mind, direct mail is a great idea for me. Right. Cold calling and texting are a great idea for me. But again, classic example where I didn't want to call my baby ugly. I had made that decision. And now it was really difficult to see a different path forward. So instead, what I try to ask myself now is like, why do you want this business in the first place? Uh, And then instead of defining what it needs to look like, what are all of the options And how does that fit with the rules that I've defined? So it's just a matter of, we just have it inverted a lot of times. We try to, we try to define the form. Here's what it needs to look like, but it's, it it just comes back to, well, yeah, but what are you actually trying to solve first? Mm -hmm. What are the other things that need to be considered? The other factors here, what are your own biases? And then, and then how do we start building something that aligns with those things, the function first? Yeah, I have another question for you, but but before we get into it, you know, again, like this is what Paul and I are talking about inside the Whale Club with other members, right? So if you want to join a community of other people figuring this out, right, <clears throat> figuring out their rules, figuring out their solvable problem, and and creating more certainty, right? And when I say community, what I mean is an actual group where we're meeting on a regular basis to discuss how we are solving these problems. So Paul and I are talking about it. 
And I think you can get a lot of value out of it. There's no question about it. It's the reason why we do this. If you want a little bit more to be talking to other people that are experiencing this as well, go to our YouTube channel. There's a link there, or you can go to realestatecertainty.com. So, Paul, I want to ask you a different question, which is you and I are quick starts, which mean we don't need a lot of information to just freaking go, which is why we violate this form follows function principle. What if you're the kind of person that loves to just collect data? Mm. How does this apply to them, right? They love to collect data. They love to analyze. They love to strategize, perhaps. But they don't really care for execution. Mm. Well, I'm going to make it a basketball analogy. That's all right. <laughs> Randy Matt sports Gale. analogies on the show. That's our, you know, we're playing our game. That's our game. If you don't like it, uh, well, we may not be the right guys to listen to. Um, so Randy Massengale, we've talked about him earlier. He was Dan's mentor, senior advisor to, to Bill Gates. He uses this phrase that he says, pick a shoulder and attack. And it's the idea, I think, about the basketball player who's just, you know, he's dribbling the ball around. He's dancing around the outside of the key. And he's just not attacking the goal. He's not making any like moves towards the goal. And, and that's sort of what you're describing right there. Mm-hmm. Right. And what Randy would say is, well, you got to pick a shoulder and attack. And, and as a, as an offensive minded basketball player, uh, it means like make a, make a move and see the defense react. Right. And then, and then make another move or sometimes you can just hit, you know, hit it really hard, but, that analogy makes so much sense to me. You've got to pick a shoulder and attack at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And I, I totally understand that analysis paralysis is a valid, real thing that a lot of us feel. And so this is where the concept of micro-stepping comes in. And, and if you can train your brain to start saying, what is the smallest step I can take forward and just keep stepping forward? Don't get caught up on what it has to look like in the future take those really small micro steps and start attacking the goal. Start picking a shoulder. You don't, you're not always going to pick right. The first time mm-hmm. we've talked about Jenga on this, on this show, a million, you know, a bunch of times. And again, we have all these analogies and this is why we start the show off by saying we speak a different language and, mm-hmm. and it's just, it is what it is, right? We have certain way that we communicate with folks inside of our community. And we want to share that with you guys, but it's like the Jenga blocks. You've got to start pressing on some things and see what gives. The idea of micro steps is don't make a step that's irreversible. Don't come up and just mash that block and then the whole thing falls over. Lightly press on some of these things. Dr. Jeff calls it a soft offense. Um, and I think for a high quick starts like us, we don't have a problem with that. We have different problems. Mm-hmm. For the folks who have like the opposite of that, that's a good thing too. It just means that you have to err on the side of action. Yeah. So micro steps, take steps that, because typically if you have analysis paralysis, you're afraid to make a mistake. Typically, not always. So then maybe is once you've done your compilation and analysis and strategize, don't try to execute the whole plan. Just execute the first step in that plan. And if you want to compile and analyze strategize again, so be it. Mm-hmm. Right? But then just execute one the smallest possible step you can take and then do your thing. 
just don't ever not step. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why Dr. Jeff always talks to me about stop trying to define steps one through 10, just to find the next one to two things that need to go right. Yeah. What are, what are those? So you're thinking about starting a real estate investing business. What's the first one to two things that need to go right? What would you say to that person? Next one or two things that needs to go right. You're starting a real estate business. Uh, find out. Actually, you, you said this, right? Figure out if you like talking to people. <laughs> Figure out your preferences, right? Pick up the phone. Call three people. See how you like calling people. If you don't like calling sellers, then you got to figure out something else. And, and that's not saying don't be a real estate investor. I'm saying that might you might not like the sales um, heavy approach to yeah. investing. You might well, be more well, let of me the, add, let me add a little bit to that because I almost I think I disagree with call three people and see what you like. Mm -hmm. What I might do is I might have a conversation with somebody like yourself and say how many phone calls does it take to get a lead? Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, you probably need to have like if you're not very good, probably like 100 conversations mm -hmm. in order to really get a qualified lead or appointment. So if you call three people, you, you may not be like that micro step might be too small. There's a certain aspect of like it has to be big enough in order to actually get feedback from the system. The only reason why I say three is because there are some people that are so terrified of picking up the phone. They won't call one. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and, and I get that. And, and so part of the rules you define up front, if you're that terrified mm -hmm. might be, I'm not going to build a business that, uh, that requires me to make cold calls to different people. And if that was the case, then I would say, don't cold call, you know, well, I'll say, I would say, if that's the case, you better figure out a way to sell that doesn't require, I'm sorry, the way around a business that does not require you calling someone, uh, to sell them something. And it might yeah. be you're an integrator. It might be you just have people send you deals. You might just be a flipper. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with these. It's just that if you have if you experience call reluctance, you just may not like sales. And sure. You're, you're going to pick your path inside the real estate investing ecosystem. And fortunately, talking about rigging the game and, and playing your game, real estate has way more ways to play your game. Than, I, than any other industry I'm aware of. Oh, man. It's, it's exactly right. So this is part of defining the rules up front. You know, it, it's, it's getting clear on what you're good at, getting clear on what you will do and what you won't do, and getting clear on your own biases. You know, and to your point, cold calling is one way to generate leads. Mm -hmm. It is one way to do things. But did you also know you don't even need to generate leads? You can partner with somebody else who's already got the leads right. and you can bring the capital. You can bring your expertise in construction. It's, again, this one size fits all that here's how to do a real estate investing business. It all starts by have you collected the right information up front? That's what we help folks work through because we've all got very different businesses. I mean, they're all similar. Right. But as real estate investors, we know that that's we intuitively know that there's a ton of ways to make money. But then we go out and we like look into everybody else to tell us what we should or shouldn't be doing. And I think that's a huge mistake. 
what we what we do, and that's why Dan partnered with us, right, mm-hmm. in this book, Rigging the Game, is we take the principles in this book and we help folks, including ourselves. We're going through the process as well, right? Absolutely. To, to build a life around playing our game to our strengths and defining those rules up front so that, uh, you know, we can live the life that we want on our own terms. Yeah. And I think that's probably a great place to end it. Is there anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up? Should we tell the naming the puppy story? We've talked about it many times, but we didn't actually explain it or we wait for another call. Oh, I think we should go ahead and explain what, what for those of you that are still sticking with us. What, what is naming the puppy? Okay. So you be the, uh, you be the pet store owner. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. And I'll be the guy walking in, uh, looking at all these puppies. And so I walk into the door and I come up to you. Well, Paul, well, you know, what brings you in? Oh, I don't know. I'm just browsing around. I just thought, uh, you know, I was I was actually shopping over next door and decided to walk in and just uh, take a look around. Oh, that's awesome. You know, we've got uh, we're really you know, we love what we do here. We love we love pets. We love dogs. And we got I personally think the most adorable dogs. No way. I love dogs, too. The most adorable dogs. Why don't you come take a look? Oh, awesome. Yeah, these are beautiful. Look at all these puppies here. Yeah. So, you know, which one do you think is the cutest? Uh, I like that one right there. The one with the spots. The one with the spots. What do you think would be a good name for that for that puppy? Oh, man. I don't know. He looks like he could be uh, Lucky. Lucky. Yeah. Man, Lucky's a good name. Why don't you pick Lucky up? Oh, Lucky, so sweet. Look how cute this dog is. Oh, my gosh. Lucky, you're such a, you're such a good puppy. All right. What are the odds now of you putting that puppy down? <laughs> very, very low. <clears throat> and as the pet store owner, you might even be like, why don't you take Lucky home? Mm-hmm. If, he, if it doesn't work out in the next day or two, just bring him back. Yeah. Well, that's the puppy dog. That's the puppy dog clothes, right? I was like, you know, why don't you bring home? Because I know if you bring it home, you're not bringing it back. But right. just naming the puppy, you've, ex- you've exhibited so much ownership over that puppy without having any idea what you've done to yourself. Well, yeah, like which puppy are – okay, let's say that there's 10 dogs, 10 little puppies there. Mm-hmm. Which one are you most likely to take home? The one that you named or any of the other random nine puppies in that pen? Right. The one that you named, of course, because you gave it a name. Mm -hmm. By giving that puppy a name, you've now become attached to it significantly more than the other puppies in that pen. And this is what we do all the time in business and in life as we define. We didn't even want to buy a puppy. Like we walked in that store just to look around. And now this pet store owner is like, well, what do you think about these puppies here? Which one do you like the most? What, what do you think you would call that puppy if you were if you were to take him home? Well, I, that looks like a lucky to me. Again, we're now going to be so attached to that decision of naming that puppy because, I don't know, because our human brains are wired that way, I guess. You pass the point of no return. Once you've named that puppy, you pass the point of no return. That's right. So the idea here, guys, we talk about naming the puppy is don't give the give a name to something before you're even sure that you want it, right? We didn't even walk in here to buy a puppy, but now that we've given this dog a name, it's going to be really hard to walk out without that dog. It's the same thing we do in business by defining too far in advance what our vision is, what the here's what the plan is. We've now named the puppy on that thing. 
Well, and it's, it's going to be really hard to get off of Paul, it. Paul, I just came back from this mastermind, and I heard the best freaking idea. You're going to love it. And I start yeah. telling you this idea, and here's what we're going to do, and here's how much money it's going to make us. Guys, yeah. it's a freaking game changer, right? And I've poured so much into it. How do I undo what everything I just sold there, right? We're going to reprioritize everything. Everyone just scrap everything you've been working on. I don't care where it's been for two years. We're going all in on this. And three months in, like, we're so excited about it, even though there's been absolutely no results uh, from that effort. Yep. Name the puppy. <laughs> Name the puppy. This is the idea. We're running with it. So awesome, guys. Thanks for watching today. Wrapping up here. If you guys want to find out more of what Paul and I are doing with Dan Nicholson, Nick Peterson, go to realestatecertainty.com. Until then, we will see you guys next week.